Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future is Bilingual podcast. My name is Heather. Today's interview is with Molly. She is a half French, half Lao mom of three young adults, and she's been living for the past 20 years in Spain. So she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the table in regards to raising multilingual children, multicultural children, and we get into all that in our discussion. We have a very open, candid conversation about struggles and what's changed over the past 20 years with raising multilingual kids, but we also have a lot of laughs and we go on some interesting language tangents. So we hope that you will enjoy this conversation and get a lot out of it. We did record more than I have been able to keep in the episode, so I may bring Molly back for another specialized episode. I don't want to make any big promises yet, but you can look for that in the future. I will keep you guys posted. And without further ado, let's hear our conversation. Welcome, Molly. Thank you to having me to your podcast. It's my pleasure. So why don't we start um, by you telling us a little bit about yourself and who is in your family? Well, um, I'm Mali, as we said before, my full name is Malitian. I'm half French, half Laos, from Laos, mm -hmm. and my, my family lives in Madrid. My husband is Spanish, and my three children are French, Spanish, and Lao. <laughs> uh, but uh, we live in Madrid for more than 20 years now, so we basically mostly speak Spanish, mm -hmm. and my children... Uh, live in quite an international environment because of their school. So um, the challenge was to maintain the French, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of school is it? Can you tell us it's about an it? Yeah, it's, a, it's an IB school. It's an international school. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not bilingual. It's fully English. Oh, wow. So they, start, they started when they were three. Wow. And now, well, my children, they're 2018 and 14. So they, they're learning language. The educational language was English, is mm -hmm. English still. Right. And then the community was Spanish. The community was Spanish. I, I, was, I am here the only French in the house like wow. uh, who speaks French because with my husband, we speak Spanish as well. His French is very low mm -hmm. <laughs> level. Yeah. So yes, that's the the choice of of um, of having English instead of French uh, was a bit risky at the time. Actually, <laughs> I have to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, was there an option? Are there French schools in Spain? Yes. Yes. There's uh, the Lycée Français, which mm -hmm. is a big um, establishment, and yeah. a lot of even Spanish people go there to have a French education and. That's actually was my first choice to when my old uh, older daughter mm -hmm. was in age to go to school. I thought we thought my husband and I to put her in the French school, but because of uh, some, I used to say commute problem and yeah, yeah, it was too far. Job. Yeah, exactly. Um, we just decided well, maybe I can teach her French mm -hmm. and and she can go to a an English school or international school. And because of her personality as well, she was very shy. And so we, we wanted some uh, um, a more um, homey structure. 
yeah. I'm not saying that French school was not homey. It's just that it's a very big school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, there are some, uh, I guess I could call them stereotypes, but even I've heard French people say that French school is, you know, kind of strict. And if you make one mistake, I don't know how it is in a schools yeah. abroad, but um, I've, I've heard. Yeah. I don't know because I, at the end I never put her in that school, right. but that's what I was a bit scared as well. I wanted something more where the the child well-being yeah. was yeah, like more child focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So definitely was the the IB system even if in kindergarten is more uh, open to that. Mm -hmm. So that was, so it's a bit of, uh, how you say that, uh, casualty. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people compare like English schools or American schools, how they're, um, a lot of expats that will say like, oh, you know, they're focused on like, it's okay if you make a mistake and we're going to help you. And we have all these mentalities of like, you know, it's not a fail. It's your first attempt in learning. And yeah, exactly. it's just a different mentality. Um, and, and it's I've, a different focus. Yeah, exactly. But Before yeah. we get too far, Molly, were you born in France? Yes, I was born in France. Okay. So born and raised. And mm -hmm. one of your parents is from Laos? Yeah, my dad is from Laos. Mm -hmm. And uh, we moved to Laos when I was two years old. Wow. And then, uh, yes, because my dad is a surgeon, was a mm -hmm. surgeon, now he's, uh, of course, uh, retired. Mm -hmm. um, Good for him. So, so, yeah, so he, he studied in France, he made my mom, they get married, oh. and then they have a, my brother. I have two siblings, but uh, at that time, just my, my brother and I were born, and mm -hmm. we moved to Laos. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was in 74, 75. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if you know a bit of history of uh, Indochina, but then yeah. the the communists enter and they had to go back to France. Yeah. Oh. So, so yes, that's that's the story of a lot of um, refugee family. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, when they get to France, when I get to France, but my dad, as a surgeon, I said, was working a lot, a lot of mm -hmm. hours uh, with weekends and sometimes uh, evenings yeah so basically um and my mom is a was a nurse so <laughs> oh. so uh i i was mostly raised between my cousin that uh went out of laos as well mm -hmm. with um and the nanny so yeah the the focus was on we had to speak french because my cousin need to Go to school in France and mm -hmm. integrated in French. So we never the little things I learned when I was two, three years old, I just forgot. Oh wow! And how that, long were you in Laos? Just a few years? Yeah, just uh, one year or something. Oh, just like one. Year. Oh wow! Yeah, but at this age, you know, when you're in total immersion in yeah. a language, you just learn it. Right. And and so I was apparently talking and understanding everything mm -hmm. i was a early speaker <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah i have one and of those <laughs> as well and um yes yeah, so so that's a bit my how you say my Your story me, yeah, story and that would make me a bit sad is that i forgot yeah. totally my love language mm. have you ever tried to learn it have you ever taken classes since well, with my dad when I was 15, which was mm -hmm. a disaster, I have to oh, say. No. Because... 
<laughs> because uh, he's, he didn't have the patient and oh, yeah. the methodology. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, this is very common. I, well, I'm still learning my husband's native tongue. And mm -hmm. this happens to a lot of us where we think that, oh, okay, I'll just learn it through my partner, through my boyfriend or my girlfriend or whoever. And like, they're not teachers and they're not taught how to teach this, you know? So I would ask him things and he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to talk about grammar. He hated grammar in school. <laughs> and yeah, we just, a lot of us um, expect like the people closest to us, like, oh, you can teach me, but it's not always the best method. No, no. <laughs> we learn the hard way. <laughs> I'm 48. So I was, I'm talking a long time ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 30 years ago and now I think we have more information about how children are becoming bilingual or mm -hmm. multilingual how to expose them to those languages and when I was a child there was not much information right. even when, when my my children were younger I was talking to a friend as well and she was telling me because our daughter is 20 like mine Mm -hmm. We didn't have. I wish I had a podcast who gave me all those tricks yeah. <laughs> and, and advice. You know, I was a bit uh, trying the things and and doing what I thought was good at that time. So I guess my dad mm -hmm. thought that he was doing the good thing, and mm -hmm. I'm convinced, but it was not effective. No. Yeah, I think <laughs> a lot of us assume, especially if we are bilingual, we just assume that we can speak the language and the kid will pick it up. And then, you know, more and more now we're realizing that that doesn't happen, that majority, exactly. the majority language takes over very easily. And there is a lot more yeah. research and just resources out there. Um, yeah, I, but I guess that at that time, what we were lacking of resources, I, I need to go to France and buy all those DVDs and mm -hmm. Well, there was not even DVD when right. my daughter was, <laughs> was three or cassette tapes. <laughs> yeah, it was there those VHS and oh yeah, and the system was different, so she yeah. was watching all those movies in black and white. Right, <laughs> not very so much for three years old. <laughs> but it's so much harder to get than now. I can just turn on YouTube and they can watch exactly Polish, French, English. We just change the language as we want in my house with a click of a button so yeah exactly yeah. that's amazing for so, free yeah it's not the same yeah. at all but I also think mentalities have changed where you know back in even just 20 years ago the mentality was that kids need to have the majority language you know even immigrant parents should speak the majority language to their children like there was that those myths are still persistent today I think um, but it, yes, it's changing slowly Hmm. That's that's exactly what uh, happened in my family when mm -hmm. my cousin came. I was six years old when my cousin came to live with us. Mm -hmm. Cousins, they, they, so we were six kids in, at at home. That was very fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the kids. <laughs> for the kids, yes. <laughs> but my parents were just focusing on them to learn French. So my dad mm -hmm. definitely never talked to us in Lao when mm -hmm. I was a child because. He wanted them to be completely fluent in French, and right. and and I guess they forgot a lot of their Lao write written mm. skills as well. And yeah, and so it's it's a different. I think it's a different. Yeah, it's a different perspective. But as you say, even twenty years ago here in Spain, 
when I was talking French to my daughter, uh, I remember my pediatrician telling me, uh, oh, well, maybe she's going to be, uh, how you say that, uh, a late talker because mm -hmm. uh, you send her to uh, an English school and she needs to learn Spanish because she lives in Spain. And, uh, and I said, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that still happens today. I'm in a lot of groups for parents of bilingual kids or, you know, a lot of people that are even just pregnant on there asking. And every, every day there's somebody saying, you know, the pediatrician told us we should only speak the one language and everybody's commenting back. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I, I'm still... not even very convinced about, you know, um, when, when, so when, until four or five, I was just talking to them in French, of mm -hmm. course. But then when they start school, it was more difficult because they had many language interacting. Yeah. And yeah. as at home, we're speaking Spanish. Uh, sometimes I, my Spanish is quite good. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was just answering them in, in Spanish. But that doesn't mean that now they don't speak French and they don't write French and mm -hmm. they're perfectly trilingual. Yeah. So fast forward, you had the, the three-year-old, the pediatrician telling you not to speak French. And now that three-year-old is 20. So you said they're yes. perfectly trilingual. Yes. <laughs> All three of them, they're able to. Well, the youngest has a, a lower level mm -hmm. because she's 14 and she's been, well, I don't know how many children do you have, but <laughs> the mm -hmm. third one is always going behind <laughs> the brothers and <laughs> And they're speaking Spanish between each other. Mm -hmm. And actually, she's the one who mixes more all languages. Mm -hmm. uh, my two oldest, they're, I mean, they're fine. They understand, they speak, they write, they read. Yeah. But my little one, she makes more of the languages. And she's still young. So tell us more about teaching them French, because I think a lot of parents listening maybe have younger kids and I myself have younger kids. My kids are three and a half and two. Um, and mm. we want to know, like, how do we succeed in getting our kids to speak the minority language? Especially, I think your case is extra difficult because you had not only one language working against you, you had the community plus a different school language, plus you're the only French speaker. <laughs> yes. So, so tell us about uh, that. <laughs> so I, I have to say, um, it's not happening like um, by magic. No, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a lot of to be constant, I think, yes. in your efforts and perseverant. I mean, yeah. you need to to do it. it. It's not happening one day to another. You have to establish um, routines. Mm -hmm. For me, it worked like that. No, even if you can go out of the routine, of course. But um, for example, I only read them in French. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like the night bedtime reading stories yeah was in French so of course then when they start learning how to read in both language in Spanish and, and English uh, I felt felt the pressure of the teacher even no that told me oh you need to read them in English or you need to read them mm -hmm. in Spanish and but no I I, I stick to my French because that but actually was one of the few moments in the day where I, they listen to the French mm -hmm. uh, language. Yeah. And that was so, something you could, it was consistent. You could control it. You know, exactly. it's, a, it's a constant. So like, don't change it. If it's working, <laughs> exactly. don't mess with it. <laughs> exactly. no, don't mess with it. Yeah. No, and, and, and it's uh, um, established in the time as well of your day, yes. yeah. especially when they're young. 
no it can be in the morning it can be in the afternoon doesn't matter but it it's uh, it's like brushing your teeth yeah routines are so <laughs> so helpful for sure yes and playing i play a lot of games in french oh, with that's them. good mm -hmm. um yeah because well i'm i'm grateful to to have a a job that allow me to spend a lot of time with my kids mm -hmm. and be able to play with them uh, board games board yeah. games are fantastic to develop language the language in general mm -hmm. so i i play a lot of board games in french with them even now we're still playing i mean they're oh, grown up but that's so nice <laughs> yeah with this confinement right <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Mm -hmm. So we play Monopoly, we still play in French. So you have the numbers, you have oh, questions, yeah. you have all kind of vocabulary that they were developing at that time. That is um, such a good point. Yeah, that games can be such a fun. Yeah, they're not thinking about it. They're just they have exactly. to use the language. They don't even think that they're learning that right. they're speaking French. So I, I was so fascinating by games that mm -hmm. uh, to help with the language that now I'm creating games for French teacher and parents who want oh, to read. So those typical games that they can use to, you know, to, what what I was saying to learn vocabulary to yeah, the bingos, if... the lotos, the mm -hmm. so so, so my my kids were kind of guinea pigs. Uh, are you say that? Guinea yeah, you say guinea pigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or for me, so so that's what I did with my children. I mean, well, I they I benefited play. from that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I played a lot with them in, and I read because I think reading uh, make the the vocabulary and the structure of the language, the musicality of the language, stick in your head. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, reading is so important, and I'm trying personally as an adult to read more in my target languages because um, mm -hmm. I've fallen into a rut of just reading in English. Uh, when I was yeah. doing my studies, there was a point in my undergrad where I had not read an English book for like years because I was only reading in French and I was so focused on French. And now it's totally flipped and I'm only reading in English and I'm like, okay, I really got to read like a novel <laughs> in French again because <laughs> it's just been a long time. And No, yes. And, yeah. and it's because it's, it's, it's the same for me. I mean, when I want to read for pleasure, I just go and read in French because it's much easier now. Mm -hmm. As a parent working, uh, you don't have so much time. Exactly. Something that is easy that you don't, you want to enjoy without too many, much efforts. <laughs> yeah, but there is so much in reading and just... It is. Yeah, the vocab. Like I'm, I was reading in English last night and just thinking about all these words. And I'm like, gosh, I would not know how to say all these, I don't know, just these specific words that were in there. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think it was like bramble. I don't know. There was just... It was just a very stylistic way of writing. And I was thinking, wow, this is like, it's just so rich. And of course we're talking about adult literature, um, but starting yeah. that with your kids young and then progressing with them as they can read, you know, from the picture book when they're a baby mm. to the, the book with a few words, to sentences, to chapter books, you know, all the way up. I think it's, yeah, it's that's a really important. It's really nice. And, and as well, what is in, in, when you read to your kids, it's very important to, to make it as a theater like you're mm. playing you know all those expression and the voices then there's the voices and <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah. It, i think this as well helps a lot with mm. with the learning of the reading in general yeah. even 
if you, you know how to read in, in one language, in your own language, or mother, or you say mother tongue language, mm -hmm. then it will be easier for the kid to yes. read in other language as well. It's not a block, it's not separate. The child brain is, is using one skill to apply to the other language. Exactly. It's not separate. Yeah, and I think that's a huge mentality shift, maybe thanks to research that's happened where I feel exactly. like we used to we used to believe that, you know, a bilingual person only had like half a brain in each language. And now we're realizing no, you know, no. they're not like there's not a limited space in the brain that this language is using up where the other language is not gonna have the space for. You know, I feel like there's it's just a mentality shift that we're now realizing that. Yeah, having skills mm -hmm. in your first language is going to help you learn the second language you yeah, know for exactly. mm -hmm. yeah it's just yeah. it's so good that there's been so much research and it's it's ongoing um but i i, yeah, I find those studies so fascinating how just me too i literacy I, I, and mm -hmm. exactly that's why i i i like to listen to your blog actually i i was mm -hmm. i i find out of your blog in that facebook group and mm -hmm. i like to listen experience and how even if my children are older, I mean, you see that what the evolution and, and because now, for example, I think they're, they need to take a responsibility to maintain their French because they're mm. old enough, especially my daughter and my son, mm -hmm. um, they're old enough. So, so what they do, I mean, they, they switch their phone to the French. So okay. they have like, they, they have to read in French, no, or mm -hmm. yeah. uh, now she wants to because she never been to a French school she wants to pass the um, the French test no the Delph um, <laughs> because she needs it's it's not enough no no to prove that she speaks French that her yeah. mom is French so she wants to have, have a certification so all those things I mean um, that they, they come later when mm -hmm. they, they when they realize that a language need to be nurture yes to be it, you you just because otherwise it will happen like me when i learn lao at three years old i never practice it again you forgot it mm -hmm. so you need to to nurture constantly even when they so when they're children when they're young you you need to give them books give them uh, as you said switching languages on when right. they watch a movie a right. cartoon or so yeah, we have it... so many ways now to nurture oh. it. And I, I liked how Amy, one of my previous guests said, it's like a plant, like you need to water, you know, the minority language. If you don't water it, the majority language yeah. will take over. You know, we have to exactly. yeah, take care of it, nurture it. Hmm. So totally. did you ever take trips back to France with them? You guys are yeah, you're close, so you're in Madrid. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're in Madrid, we're, we, we, well now we're, this last past year, we didn't go mm -hmm. as, Often. but we are going at least three times a year oh, and wow. yeah Christmas <laughs> summer holidays and and what I did was sending them to French camp as well okay so that's, yeah. that's for summer well. yeah because um I wanted because here in Madrid even if the French community is quite big there's a mm -hmm. lot of French people as my kids are not going to the French school we're not living in a French uh, friendly neighborhood Mm -hmm. uh, I think in my neighborhood, I'm the only French. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all this makes that they don't have contact, even, even if they do have a couple of friends that are French, but they speak English, they speak Spanish. Right. 
Right. So I send them to be with young people <laughs> so they can talk. Yeah. You know, How long were those camps? Two weeks during okay. the year. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they grab all those vocabulary that is fun for them. <laughs> yeah. It's so different having peers and having, you know, if you're just speaking to mom, that's one motivation. But yeah. <laughs> Are your parents still in France? Yes. And your siblings and everybody? Yeah, everybody. Well, my my brother now is moving to Thailand now. Oh. But um, <laughs> yes, wow. we are we are traveler family. But but mm -hmm. now yes, they are all in in France. Yeah, so, so that's they had all that family to interact with as well. Exactly. Phone calls that's, and things. Yes, they, you know, they share with my mother. They talk. They my mother teach them to play Scrabble. Oh. She loves that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the activity with the grandma. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's great. Yeah. So board games are a big hit. That's Oh, in my house, it's yeah. an institution. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a good tip, though. I think a lot of parents, maybe even with little ones, we don't really think about that yet. Um, they're just... No, they're very young. They're, but you they're not there. Play, you can um, start to play memory. No, yes. Uh, like the, we... <laughs> cards yeah things you can do you know pre-literacy skills and then of course mm. these same yeah. games when they start to write you can say you know things that start with yeah. the letter f um you can mm. have them write them down you know there's so many ways to oh, build yeah. so many. on these skills and, and especially uh we used to drive to front well we're still driving but now everybody is with his phone is not they're not playing anymore with me mm. we used to, to drive 10 hours to France. Oh and my gosh. <laughs> that's a lot of time to play. <laughs> oh yes. And sing, sing songs, singing songs mm -hmm. as well. All those yes. little songs that, uh, so yes, definitely it's, um, you, you, you have more resources now. Mm -hmm. So speaking of the, your family being stuck in a car, how is the situation with, you know, you're with your kids, but you're also with your husband? Do you still speak French? Do you do you guys switch to Spanish? So I'm just, I know I always have this question because we are minority language at home. So once my husband's home, we all speak Polish. Um, but I always wonder with Opal, like people who have the one parent, one language, like what happens when they're all together? Is it just a mix? Yeah, <laughs> like no, are you I, speaking we, French and he's speaking Spanish and then you're speaking Spanish no, to him? I found it very difficult for communication. Mm -hmm. for communication. <laughs> yeah. But my my husband French is I mean he can understand and have a conversation, but it's not natural. You know when you stop speaking to someone in one language, it's very difficult to switch. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was easier for us to even we always speak Spanish. So for mm -hmm. for our communication as a couple, as a family, it's Spanish. So when he's here, we switch, mm -hmm. and of course because we are in a Spanish environment. When I'm in France, I'm not switching so much. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I, I have, I, I guess I have the weight of the responsibility for the language in my family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because um, when we were, were in France and I'm surrounding by French, my people in the street, my family speaking French, uh, TV, everything in French. Mm -hmm. So I, even if I speak to him in Spanish when if I'm speaking French to my mom or my kids I'm 
talking to him in French as well. I admire people who are strictly opal. I don't yeah. know how they do that. I don't know how they would do it either. Maybe I'll get someone on the podcast who can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know some people that that I have a, I have friends who mm-hmm. who speak French to their children and their husband is Spanish and they speak French to their children all the time and they're surprised when I speak Spanish to my children. Mm-hmm. And well, you can have some judgment in the other way as well. <laughs> Why are you speaking Spanish to your children? You should speak them, talk to them in French, otherwise mm-hmm. they would forget their French. Don't speak French. But you know, sometimes really communication and yeah is is easier. This to way. each right, to each their own. I think we, we all do what feels best and right for us Mm. and it's easy it's easy to judge from the outside and I that's why there's so many ways to raise children bilingually because there's not a one-size-fits-all exactly Mm -hmm. yes exactly and and because and and you can't force I the the child as well yes to speak one language I guess it's um Mm. I sometimes I have friends said, oh, I, I always I want him to answer me in the minority language. Mm-hmm. If I talk to him in the minority language, sometimes they will answer you in Spanish or in English. And right. Yeah, it's a, it's my... a very fine line between yes. like being forced, you know, forceful. And um, yeah, you yeah. can have the, the opposite uh, effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, 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 that the child will don't want to talk right. in French. Right. There's a lot of um, affective factors where, you know, the whole feeling that they get of the language and yeah, just the atmosphere, the mood, uh, everybody's kind of, if they're feeling judged, you know, for overcorrecting, there's all these sorts of things that can be at play, which is why it's so important for, if you want to raise bilingual children, I think you do need to do, you know, a little bit of research just how do kids mm. learn two languages? It, it's tricky. It's not going to just happen on its own, unfortunately. Exactly. If it were, oh, yeah. there'd be a lot more bilingual <laughs> people walking around the United States. This is a country of immigrants. However, most people just melted into the English melting pot. Um, mm. And it's so it's so common to hear like, oh yeah, you know, my grandpa is from Italy or my grandpa's from, you know, this, yeah, that country. Uh, we meet so many Polish you know, heritage people, but they don't speak a word of Polish. It's it's so, so, so common here. Um, mm. So I think that's proof it's, that it's it doesn't shame. just happen automatically. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. And 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 when I was uh, answering your question, that's uh, that what I, I re- uh, it made me, I would say, made me reflect on mm-hmm. my, my progress, no, with my children mm-hmm. on how all the process and and it doesn't happen automatically you definitely need to to put effort on it mm-hmm. and consciously making the switch to french or as i said to have some kind of routine right otherwise and and in my case i give them classes like mm-hmm. formal classes with because french is so difficult well i guess polish yeah. as well i don't know to write well, especially it's got the difficulty of like Spanish grammar is difficult. Mm. So is French grammar, but then French has the added difficulty of nothing is phonetically spelt the way you, exactly. you think it would be. So <laughs> if they're not immersed in that, that language, yeah. it would be hard, you know, even f- native French. I, I taught English to um, elementary school children for two years in France. And oh. I just remember like different um, 
things that they had to learn, you know, like the difference between, you know, A and A, like EST versus ET. Like yes. to me, I always learned, you know, I learned it as starting at 12, it was academic. So I would never mess those two words up, you know, mm. unless it was like a typo, but to a native <laughs> French ear, they sound yeah. exactly the same. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. the different endings, like, is it a T? Is it an X? Is it an S? Because you don't hear them. <laughs> like, je crois, il croit. Yeah. Um, to, you know, exactly. so I was so surprised, like, oh, like native speakers yeah. have to like practice <laughs> these As things. Well. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so French is definitely has that added challenge. So even yeah, if they're, they're fluent, they can speak it. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's different to, to write it, to, to mm -hmm. speak it. Oh, speaking of uh, writing, did your children learn to write in Spanish or English first? Uh, good question. Uh, English. English? Yeah, English. Mm -hmm. English and, or both at the same time, actually. I can't say, I don't remember. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, yes, as they had, uh, their the education was in, mainly in English, but they had Spanish classes. Oh, they, okay. So, and your uh, husband was, I'm sure, reading to them in Spanish and all sorts of you know yes exactly and exposure they, to spanish they have exact exactly the exposure to spanish is strong when you walk in the street you'll oh, see yeah. <laughs> or you have the newspaper on the table it's in spanish i mean yeah you have different well i didn't let them read the newspaper when they were three on the no but still <laughs> but you know you you have the the milk on the table is in spanish or leche yeah and spanish is is completely phonetic i just was thinking it would probably have been easiest to start with Spanish because there's consistent, you know, this letter is pronounced like this. And the, the methodology to learn uh, is different, but at the same time, as Spanish is very phonetic, it's yeah. similar mm -hmm. to, to the phonics in English. Mm. So the, the difficulty was more to teach them. Well, actually, when they, they learn one, two language, they read quite easily in the third language or maybe because I was teaching them I was reading them sorry in in French yeah I'm sure they so were they, listening and seeing how once yeah, they were then, interested in words they would exactly. follow <laughs> they were just reading without I I never teach them to read in French I they just start to read and I correct them when they <laughs> don't pronounce something yeah that's amazing well, that's... Or, hmm. but that's that what the children do naturally that's what we we were saying before when you learn how to master one language then you can apply the same the same skills yeah skills, they already yes, they already sorry. had those skills mm -hmm. exactly that's so important because if they don't have the skills at all you know there's this whole problem of illiteracy it's not like they can just grab them out of thin air they have to learn them in some okay. language but once they yeah. have them, they can apply them. So I think that's so interesting that, you know, the knowledge is already in them. They've done it yeah. in, they've done this process once and they can just be like, oh, okay, let's switch gears. Mm. You know, let's try another one. <laughs> it's so interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was your greatest challenge teaching them these different languages? My greatest challenge is to have her writing, reading skills as I would not pretend as good as her two other language, but at least at her correct level where she doesn't make mistakes mm -hmm. when she writes <laughs> and know how to conjugate her verbs, uh, mm -hmm. written, because orally it's fine. And, and that's for me was the challenge mm -hmm. because 
I was reading to them until they were six or seven. Then I stopped reading to them, obviously, at night. Mm. Uh, but we, we always talk, no? We talk about... I always had this little moment in French with them, mm-hmm. even if I'm not reading. But yes, definitely, that's, for me, the, the challenge to have their the, the written skills. Because when you will see, when your kids are getting older at school, and especially because... The school was a third language that we mm-hmm. were not talking at home. I definitely privilege them to write and read in English by themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was like, uh, and then they had to read Spanish because we're in Spain and yeah. part of their education is in Spain and well, they need, then their father is Spanish. And, and then French was like an added and I didn't want to be a burden. Mm. So that was my biggest challenge yeah and now I think they they see the advantage as I mm-hmm. said now they're they're old enough to take responsibility for their learning and they they see the the future that can give them a third language and mm-hmm. so they put more effort but between the age of eight nine and 12 13 mm-hmm. it's hard Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> no, for yeah. for me, it's my experience because you know you have all those changing in pre-teenager, yeah. teenager years, and and the schools and friends take a lot of place in mm-hmm. their leisure. No, they they right. were not playing so much with me. They were more playing with their kids, their friends. No, that's right. normal. So yeah, uh, that's how it happens. Uh, I'm wondering if you, did you do anything specific in the house to support English or was that 100% left to the school and you guys focused on Spanish and French in the house? Yes, that was exactly like that. And it worked out fine. Their English, you know, school took care of that. Yeah, school and and because now, as you said, you just put YouTube and they had all those video and (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. my all my 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 kids never watch nothing in spanish barely yeah. it's all in english their mm-hmm. their leisure their friends they that the the privilege of being in an international school is that you can communicate with all your friends from arabic or asia mm-hmm. wherever in english mm-hmm. your kids there. have the three powerhouse they can really travel anywhere with English, Spanish, and French. <laughs> yeah, very... speaking of travel, that I mean, they, they're not conscious about their privilege. I hope that now they are. Mm. But yeah, sometimes when they were younger, I thought of torturing them, teaching them <laughs> another language. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, just to 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 have this feeling that it's not natural for everybody. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, to go through the process again because they weren't probably conscious of learning all yeah. their yeah, it just came exactly naturally that they, they were learning without even noticing so, mm. so well maybe they, on their own they'll take up a fourth language and struggle as most of us do <laughs> yes yeah, um, like you with the polish <laughs> yes <laughs> years of struggle um what about for you molly because we talked about your kids a lot but what was it like for you to when did you start learning spanish what when did you start learning english well it, it, i learned um English and Spanish at school. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know the French system a little bit. So, yeah. you know, at, at my time, at, at least we start the language in, in middle school. So mm-hmm. I start very late, uh, 11, to yeah. learn English. 
and then there you have to have a second language so a mm -hmm. third well second third language yeah third mm -hmm. so i so i choose spanish mm -hmm. did you also do latin yes yeah that was the <laughs> yeah americans are always shocked like we just learn one foreign language the minimum is two years and then we hear about the french like oh you have your two latin. foreign languages in middle school plus latin <laughs> plus you got to keep doing french <laughs> Yeah. But you, you learn and you don't learn because uh, at my in mm -hmm. my times at, at least it was not. I always um, loved the languages, so for mm -hmm. me, I put more effort now in it. There, there's definitely I don't know how it was back then. I just know when I studied abroad in France, I did a lot of translation, thème mm -hmm. et version. So going from yeah. French to English, English to French. I also um, I did a year of Arabic at. Um, Université de Rennes, so in uh -huh. uh, the capital of Brittany, and it was so much translation. It was a lot about civilization. Um, I, yeah, it was what? not like practical language use at, no, at all. I, I think we had one class with a, a doctoral student. Um, one semester was from a girl from Syria, and then they yeah. switched us after you know five months. They switched us to a Tunisian, which is a totally different dialect, and like we were all just getting comfortable with her dialect. And that and was then, like a very useful speaking, getting used to like spoken, because um, I don't know if you know about Arabic, but there's modern yeah, standard, which standard. nobody <laughs> speaks like that <laughs> except for the news. So then we had this one hour of dialect, which was so useful. And then they mm. switched dialects on us mid-year. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what? Like, this is crazy. Like, how are we ever going to learn? No. <laughs> yeah. I study, I study uh, at university English, Spanish. Mm -hmm. in economics but um but yes that's exactly what you said we had the translation or like take this text or article from yep. a newspaper and translate it i think now it's completely useless you have google translate to do that. right i was there uh -huh. 10 years ago that's what we were doing yeah yeah you're, i couldn't you're, yeah. i could barely order a coffee in arabic and i was translating an article about this yeah you know a, a movie coming out and i was like i don't what i'm looking up every word in a dictionary like it was so <laughs> tedious and pointless um as you say yes we i think i guess the speaking part is left behind a lot i mean yeah. and and i still as a as a as a teacher now i i can still have some parents asking me especially with their eight years old kids uh, mm -hmm. i want them to write and read french perfectly <laughs> and for me it's okay, but a language you have to speak. Yeah. When you speak, you will read and write perfectly. Exactly. But you can't do it the other way around. But exactly. I think does. a lot of us go about language learning the wrong way. I did. I started learning Polish grammar when I couldn't speak Polish and nothing made mm. sense. Nothing stuck. Exactly. And now exactly. when I go, I go back to grammar now, I'm, I've recently kind of gone back and I'm taking classes. And, you know, now I'm fluent or close, you know, I can speak and everything, you know, it makes sense. I'm like, oh yeah, I've heard this. I've heard this in context, this, mm. now I know why. And it's just, you know, when kids learn, they're coming yeah. to school at five or six, they've, they've had six years of that language at home, you know, yeah. um, the, you know, theoretically where they've heard it. And for children now, they, they change, at least in my class, I, I definitely mm -hmm. don't listen to that special parent but <laughs> yeah <laughs> because uh, I, I'm not this is not how I think um, mm -hmm. you learn a language mm -hmm. a language you need to speak a language to 
to be alive to to this language you know right. to stick and to be alive mm-hmm. otherwise it's not you better learn something or a skill i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's hard for it to stick in your brain if you don't have yeah. the spoken and the exactly. oral like the listening comprehension and the speaking that's some, how you know, some ability it's mm. gonna any reading and, and writing all the stuff all the reading and writing i did in arabic is gone i can tell yeah. you you know, I, if I could pull out the papers, if I still have them, but mm. I could maybe sound it out, but like, I did not learn anything by pulling yeah. words out of a dictionary. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. And and that's how my, my dad wanted to teach us, no? <laughs> mm. And it was a huge mistake. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a mistake. And, and uh, so, yeah, so going back to my, my experience, I, I definitely start to be more fluent when I start traveling mm-hmm. and spending time in English speaking country or Spanish mm-hmm. English countries. And I, that's why for a long time, people used to say the only way of learning a language is to go to the country mm-hmm. uh, to speak the language. Now, no, you don't need <laughs> to do that. <laughs> we have a lot the, of resources. Yeah, exactly. The, the world is global now. So Mm. it's uh, for good and for bad but this definitely help mm-hmm. you can you can practice your polish even if you're not in poland right before you had to go to poland <laughs> yeah yeah it'd be so hard to find even just listening resources you exactly. know all you had was books yeah that's why i i think during a long, long time that was the norm you know if you mm-hmm. like the exchange the immersions of course i mean they're still very useful oh yeah but if you, you can't it. afford it, or if you're living yeah. through a global pandemic, you don't need travel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All this pandemic. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> ha- so which countries have you traveled to? And I'm wondering as well if you've uh, traveled back to Laos at all. No, I haven't. I didn't return because mm-hmm. during a lot of... Well, my, my dad is a political refugee, so oh, okay. banned mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, 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 yes situation hasn't changed um but um but laos is very thai is very close to lao uh, mm-hmm. language so he can go to thailand and we go to thailand but we don't mm-hmm. speak the language mm-hmm. and um i traveled well i went to the states to england a lot mm-hmm. spain and uh, i lived during a long time in french guyana when i was uh, wow. young wow so we were traveling a bit around uh, South America. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's such a cool experience. Yes, it was it was nice. And mm-hmm. and obviously when I came here I speak with uh, a South American accent with Oh yeah. <laughs> I learned Spanish from there. I didn't learn Spanish from Spain. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do all those feta. Uh, Just the vosotros must have been weird for you as well. Yes, exactly the to here they say to everybody <laughs> to everybody and and i i remember a funny thing that i didn't know how to do the theta no so the mm-hmm. theta is for those who listen and don't speak spanish it's the c that you pronounce th. yeah and, so in, in mexico and, it would be cinco five and in, yes, exactly. in spain it'd be cinco <laughs> yeah and so i didn't know where to put it and i just ended put it everywhere so i was like think yeah <laughs> and Spanish people were making fun of me. <laughs> it was a yeah. disaster. 
but this is a language learning technique and I also have done it. Um, so kids will overgeneralize and mm. you know, for English, they would say like, he goed um, oh. and things like that. So they, they overgeneralize the ED because they've heard, you know, yeah. other words, all these irregulars, they have to learn. Um, yeah. I've done this as well, where I was overgeneralizing rules in Polish and I was just putting them everywhere. And it was like, no, this isn't this, you know, these are different cases. Um, oh yeah. I think it's, it's a very normal technique. Yeah, it's, it's very, very natural. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to learn, you're like, oh, I better use this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once you learn it, you just want to put it everywhere. So that's and have it. you gotten now the, the Spain uh, accent or are you still speaking with more of a Latin American? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I have the the Spanish, the Madrilenian accent, actually. Yeah. After 20 years, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, it, and when I go to other part of Spain sometimes, I'm, especially in Andalusia, where they mm. have this very strong accent, uh, I love it. But it's like, for me, sometimes it takes me time to yeah. to understand what they say. Mm -hmm. Because they're eating a lot of words. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, every, yeah, every Spanish-speaking country has their their way yes, of exactly. doing things and even like yeah. you're saying parts of Spain have their different accents it is yes, very rich like every, and like maybe every country and and they have accent in France you, you don't speak the same in Paris then but the difference is less I have to say mm. yes. which part of France are you from the south I'm from Montpellier oh okay I was born here there and and then we travel a lot with my parents. We moved mm -hmm. a lot. We we moved in France, and then we went to French Guyana for five, six years. Wow. So, and in this is kind of unrelated, but in South America, do they use vos? So I I was in um, Costa Rica, and I was learning all about this thing vos that we never learn about in American schools because they only teach us pretty much Mexican Spanish, mm. um, or Spain yeah. Spanish. You know, sometimes they'll do yeah. the, the whole vosotros so that we know it. I think the vos is more, I don't, I didn't know about Costa Rica, but I know uh, Argentina, mm -hmm. Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, they use the vos. Mm -hmm. The vos yeah. that is, uh, usted, vosotros. Mm -hmm. And they yeah, don't just... use usted, I think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like they have, I don't know. So my Spanish teacher in Costa Rica was saying just how other countries will use you know, like Spain uses two so much. Um, and she was like, we don't use that. We use, I would use usted with my baby, with my dog. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you use the formal? <laughs> like, it just seemed so weird. You know, especially Americans were so, um, we don't even have these formalities. Everybody is just you. Um, yes. And, you know, I know them. I know them in French. I know them in Spanish. Um, from what I had learned, I know them in Polish. But it's like to hear that she would use usted with her dog and her baby. I was like, oh, wow. Yes, it's and so in, different. In Spain, it's it's just the opposite. They barely use usted Instead. now in the speaking mm -hmm. language. Yeah, that's so. When I first came here, I said usted to people, and they were just like, "I'm not that old." <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> that's what they. It's me. it's so tricky. I know it's such a fine line because mm -hmm. you know you want to be polite, and I always tell students with French, like, "Well, you know, use vous until they tell you to use two and. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's so tricky though, because then you could insult them and be like, well, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Why are you using vu? Um, yeah. It's tricky. It's definitely, and every culture does it differently. Um, in Polish, yes. they have a thing similar to usted. They use the same mm -hmm. he, she form, um, but mm -hmm. they actually have to use the word Mr. and Mrs. 
and there's yeah there's this um american guy who speaks polish from you know he just learned it as an immigrant here and Mm -hmm. it was just so funny he was like when he was like do people actually live like this like constantly (laughs) saying mr and mrs all the time (laughs) it just made me laugh because i was like oh my gosh it's that's totally (laughs) the mentality americans were like what like how do you live like this (laughs) (laughs) no it's like it's like uh when i first came here i was teaching uh, adults Mm -hmm. in companies and so I was telling them, well, you have to say bonjour, monsieur, bonjour, yeah. madame, merci, monsieur, au revoir, madame. I say, why are they so hypocrite? Oh. <laughs> I said, it's not hypocrite. It's just the way it is. Yeah. It's, educa- oh, yeah. it's, ed- it's not, I don't want to say education because that doesn't mean that Spaniards are not educated. Right. It's just the way that people are raised. The rules, mm-hmm. yeah. the rules, the social rules. Oh, yeah. So maybe in, of course, in Spain, you will not say Buenos dias, señor, when someone, yeah, you enter a shop, store, nobody say, mm-hmm. and even I think when they say señora, I, I will feel like a bit offended. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but that's so common in French. I also teach my students and I was teaching um, adults uh, at a mm. senior center and they were all, you know, it's about traveling. This was before COVID. All yeah. of them, you know, had time and money and they all wanted to go to France. Yeah, so I was exactly. like, it's so important. Please, you know, do not forget the bonjour, madame. Bonjour, monsieur. Yes, exactly. Because that's, that's why important. they look at us as these rude people. We don't know the rules that like we come in the store <laughs> and are just like, bonjour. And, you know, that seems so like rude mm. to them. Yeah, so. exactly. You have to say. Mm. That's true. <laughs> and or that's... like, s'il vous plaît. Like, you know, using the, the conditional, like, je voudrais. Yeah. It, it happened to my, my children this summer, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. That was very funny because this, this summer they went into the, to a cafe and they just, here in Spain, you can ask, agua. What, it, when the weather comes oh. and say, what do you want? You just say, water. And, <laughs> and that's fine. You don't need to put anything else, <laughs> you know, or uh, cerveza, or you don't even need to put please. or So mm-hmm. when they went to that bar and... They say, oh, what do you want? Dulu. Dulu. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the oh, three boy. of them wanted Dulu. So it was like, <laughs> the waiter looked at them like, oh, those kids, how rude yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. But very well uh, manners, mannered. <laughs> yeah, well, I think this, yeah, it's so important that, you know, there's differences among cultures. There's differences among cultures that speak the same language. And I think mm. it's good for us to know these, these little anecdotes, you know, are so important. And especially for us as teachers, you know, we both are working to help our students for if they ever go to these countries one day to not hopefully offend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully travel will open up at some point. Yes. And... When, when, when you, you teach a language, you teach a culture, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's opening to, to a culture. Exactly. Whatever, it's not the, just it putting is. a word in. You know, that didn't exactly. work for your kids to just put the, the French word in for agua. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, mm, remember, you're yeah. in France. <laughs> yes. My new manners. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a very important thing for us to yeah. keep in mind. And also, if we're raising children uh, bilingually and biculturally, I, I have the question, like, how do we do this if we're only in this one country? Like, how do I give them the culture of the other you know, language that they're learning. Yes, I I think what is important is uh, if you had some family tradition that of your own family, you know, or -hmm. of your own country, of your own family to maintain them. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is definitely very important. 
I I do the the galette de roi, no? I used uh-huh. to call that the, yeah, that just happened. Um, the king's cake, I think we call the it. King's cake, yeah. Uh, in Spain, there's it's a huge celebration, the reyes, the kings, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not the same celebrated the same way, not the same cake, of course, not the same tradition around, even if it's the same event, but it's not the same tradition. So I do that. I do the chandeleur. Mm-hmm. You know, my family, we, are, we love eating as well. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Yeah, I love the chandeleur. I would do it with my French club. Right. <laughs> so I, I do that with my kids. This day, we just eat a lot, a lot, a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Did you do any fortune telling with it? Where you flip the thing? And, yes, I don't know. The, the well, the coin and, mm-hmm. and everything, and or Easter. No, in, here in Spain they don't celebrate Easter as uh, with a chocolate egg hunt. And oh, really? No, mm-hmm. the, it's a very, it's a very sober. No, it's not sober, but it's it's a huge celebration here in Spain mm-hmm. Easter, but it's it's not as cute as. Yeah, <laughs> it's very religious. No? Mm-hmm. So, so I maintain those things because uh, it's. I think, yeah, uh, this is what I try to mm-hmm. to maintain. So holding More, on to traditions. Yeah, and it's kids love it. On top of that, I mean, this is something. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things haven't lasted centuries for no reason. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> there's so the, the thing that you know we look forward to. Keep Polish us. has a very nice uh, Easter tradition as, oh, as well now. Yeah. yeah, yes. So right. definitely it's just because it's not my culture, um, I think it's hard for me to know, like, well, how do I impart this on them? Because it's not my knowledge to impart. I, same here, yeah. And and the traditions as well are mm-hmm. on me. Right. For example, I, I can't transmit them the here in Spain the the kings are the one who bring the present in Christmas, mm-hmm. not Santa Claus, but Papa yeah. Noel. For me, it was really hard because I, I was it was not tra- my tradition. So mm-hmm. I, I can, I can totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's so a whole it, other aspect of just blending two families' traditions. In some ways, it can be, you know, maybe easier. You could go to France for the date of Christmas and then come back for January to do the three Kings. Or, yeah, that's what um, we were doing. <laughs> yeah. For so in years. Some, yeah. In some ways you can kind of blend Split. them both, but I think in other ways it does make it tricky. So it's the good with the bad for sure. Yeah. Do you have any proud bilingual parenting moments that you'd like to share? Anything that sticks out? Oh, not one in particular, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely seeing my, my oldest, for example, she's studying in England. Mm-hmm. And when they, her teacher compliment her about her English written skill or something like that. Or when mm-hmm. we go, when I see my kids moving around the world before <laughs> the pandemic, when mm-hmm. we go to any place and they just can manage everywhere, yeah. asking for their way or all those things are little little thing that make you think mm-hmm. well well that's not bad no yeah we did it yeah <laughs> we pat, did it <laughs> pat myself on the back <laughs> yes exactly they they feel comfortable everywhere they can um on holiday i'm not speaking of living but i mean they can go to paris they can go to belgium they can mm-hmm. go 
and all with the Spanish. And so you think, yes, it was a lot of effort. It was maybe sometimes, as you said, sometimes you feel overwhelmed, said, oh, I need now to, to put the emphasis on the French. And mm. they don't want to because they said, oh, I have too much work. Oh, I don't want to yeah. in French. Oh, French classes at school are boring. Mm -hmm. uh, all the things. And, and then you say, oh, my God, what I'm going to do, they will never learn French. Mm -hmm. And then it happened that they learn French, they can go to a store, ask for whatever, and and even study in a French country. Yeah. Maybe in in my children there that they, they have this possibility and they considering it. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> I think you're right. I think the proudest moment is just that you've done it. You've raised three trilingual mm -hmm. kids and you can just send them off and they can go and travel. They can yeah. pretty much go exactly. to any continent and do what they need to do yeah. they can make their way yes and... exactly that's that's when you know, when they get old and when they were little it was when my mom came to visit she takes my four years old to be mm -hmm. the translator to go to buy the bread or you know mm -hmm. and that's cute. Like, <laughs> yes that's cute uh, but that was part of their routine i mean i feel proud now when i see them being those multi-skilled people Right. And so, so I, my, my advice to parents who wants to raise their children bilingual or multilingual is to do it definitely <laughs> <laughs> to put, to put a lot of work, patience and perseverance and to yeah. do it because it's worth it at the mm -hmm. end. Yeah. Get started. If you haven't started yet, it's not too late. No, um, it's never too you late. and I, you and I both learned, you learned English yeah. and Spanish late. I started French at 12. That was my first foreign language. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's definitely not too late. You know, if you're thinking no. your kid is 10 and you haven't started speaking your language, it's not too late. No, no, exactly. And, and what I, it's like in education, you don't have one way of educating exactly. your child. You have many ways of education. So, and I've uh, read some things recently there's lots of good things coming out comparing like our kids better than adults or, you know, teens in that sense that, um, you know, no, not necessarily because a teen or, you know, a young adult comes with all these skills of literacy, you know, mm. they, they, they have an entire language. So it's easier for them to understand concepts that are more abstract and all these things that it's not true that like little kids are the best and you have to start when they're young. No. Um, so you can definitely, if you're in that boat and you're wondering like, did I miss this boat? Am I too late? You know, do some Google research. You can find lots of mm. good articles people have written that there are mm. advantages to being an older learner, like we were. Yes, um, exactly. And it's right, it's better, better late than never. As I always, that's one of my favorite <laughs> proverbs that I have to learn in all my languages because I use it all the time, you know. No, yes, it's it's exactly that. No, it's it's question of starting and going on. And and maybe you can start with very simple things. Exactly. Like, uh, I don't know, the the grocery list with your children. Right. Like, okay, we're going to do the grocery list in French or in whatever your language is. Right. And, yeah, and the and things that they want the to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe at the beginning they write it poorly. and <laughs> But but it's it's question to start with little things. Yeah, and then, yeah don't, don't bite off more than you can chew. Yes. <laughs> but then with an older kid, you can you know, ask them what they want. You can talk to them about their preferences. It's not like these little blank slates, like a newborn where you just 
you're putting oh, all yeah. the effort in. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can work with them. You know, you can play the games like you were talking about all those fun yes. games. You know, it's, I can't do that yet. My kids barely understand the memory game. He just picks up 10 cards and I'm like, no, you got to put them back. <laughs> so I think there are advantages. Um, yeah, they're definitely, both sides. Mm -hmm. they're definitely advantages because when they're little, you don't even know if they understand you in exactly. the language. So yeah. not even if you switch the language. There's years of just continuous effort without any exactly. knowledge if you're doing it right or not exactly you you don't have the feedback you no know, if they understand or not mm -hmm. <laughs> but when they're seven eight nine yeah they can, can have more you. fun yeah you can just and and they have as well more patience and more understanding that you're trying to do this oh, yes why you, you're doing this now where you're just talking to him in french doing all those gesture to Mm -hmm. to make him understand and not yeah. <laughs> for sure i think that you can start whenever you want mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a really great message and i'm so happy that you agreed to be a guest because you have so much wisdom and your kids are old and you've got this amazing trilingual family I just oh think it's, thank you that's very yeah. nice but but yes i i'm always a bit um scared when i talk about not scared but because Yes, there is no, there's a lot of research on how this work and, mm -hmm. but each family, each parents will apply it uh, the best they can. Right. So I, I, I'm always a bit, I don't want to be like, oh, this is how you have to do it. Or... No, I don't think you came off that way. And I think that's the whole premise of my podcast is let me interview everyone because everyone has done this differently. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I'm not making one podcast episode with one family that has the answer to this question mm. you know i just like hearing how everyone is going about it and even people that are just bilingual themselves how did they become bilingual i think it's just a fascinating journey that many people are on and we don't talk about um i've had friends on the podcast that i've learned so much about because we never get to sit down even though we're friends we just don't sit and talk about language that's so nice i mean a podcast about about that because that's what you say i mean i have friends from Canada that speaks mm -hmm. French and English, we just stick to one language sometimes, mm -hmm. English or French, and we never talk about how yeah. they raise how their kids or mm -hmm. how they do it, how they manage it, and it's uh, it's interesting for others' family to know it, to know mm -hmm. the experience. Yeah, and I'm I fine. wish, I, I yeah, I wish I twenty years ago I had more information and more contact with multilingual family. Mm. I encourage anyone listening, if you are raising children or hoping to raise children multilingually, to reach out. There are many groups. There's uh, mm. Facebook groups, Instagram groups. There's all sorts of ways you can connect with other families. No, no, it's amazing. And it's. Yeah. I, I think it's being part of this community to help one another and learn from others' experience. It's the best method you can have. Right. And pick what it's better for your family mm -hmm. in the place and in the moment you are. Yeah. And I think people come up with all sorts of ideas that I personally wouldn't have thought of. And I can say, oh, perfect. Let me try that and, mm. you know, drop it, you know, take it or leave it if it doesn't work. But yeah. just having all this creativity and all these different ways combined, then we can just learn from each other or even mm. just hear other people's struggles, help them out. Um, I just think there's a lot yeah. that a community will give us. And 
you know, more than ever, I know we all say this now, pandemic, and we're all stuck at home, but I think it's so true that more than ever, we need these connections. We need to feel like we're not just in our little nuclear families, if they're, you know, one, two, five, ten people, whoever is in our little bubble. <laughs> we need to stretch our arms and reach and, you know, know that others are out there and just have others with the same interest. Um, so at the end of uh, every episode, I like to ask the guests to teach us, you know, one word in their languages. And, you know, it could be a different word for different languages. I know you've got multiple languages. So is there a word or a phrase you would like to teach us? I love a, a, a word in French mm-hmm. that is uh, pamplemousse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what it means. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the sound of it. I think that's one of my favorite word in French. And mm. uh, well, it's a, uh, how you say it in English? Uh, a grapefruit. Grapefruit, yeah. So in high school, pamplemousse. we always picked our own names. And just to have, it was easier. Um, I did this as well as a teacher. It's easier as a teacher to not have to like say these very American names to just say, Um, a French name so my French name was Monique and I continued that tradition when I was a teacher but my friends I think it was maybe our last year of French my teacher just let us pick whatever I had a friend in high school who's he picked the name Pamplemousse because yeah it is it's a funny sounding word it's a a nice word my favorite French word is coquelicot oh yeah it's also a fun one and it's a beautiful flower it's the poppy the poppy flower but I just think it's so fun to say coquelicot coquelicot yeah, no, it's true. That there's some. I, I guess in every language, mm. there's something. I, I love in English. I love lullaby. I mm. think it's very nice. So. That's right. Yeah, I've never thought about it, but it is nice <laughs> lullaby. When I was in uh, school, we would have these different bulletin boards, and we'd always try and like advertise the languages. Mm. Um, and we did a project where we had pick your favorite word, and we had the French and the Spanish and the Latin kids put their favorite word, and they had to make a poster so they had the word how to pronounce it a picture of it and a sentence Um, and that was a really fun project (laughs) yeah it was just a really fun project they could do that with online as well but it was fun because the kids around the school would like Mm. see these words and it you know the the Mm. sentence that these kids decide you know they would always write really funny sentences these were high school like freshmen Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah the words that would come up you know it was either like a word that they liked the meaning of you know like amour was like love but sometimes it was like the phonetic of the, it, the sound, sound of it, it. <laughs> yes mm-hmm. and it's so. just fun to think about like you know you've been studying french this many years what is your favorite word i've never thought about my favorite english word i should probably think about <laughs> you should it. think <laughs> yeah it's hard with your native tongue we take i take so much for granted yes mm-hmm. <laughs> so definitely yeah well thank you so much it was such a pleasure speaking with no, you thank you either it was Really nice to talk to you and meeting you in person. Yeah. And I hope we'll stay in touch. And Yeah, definitely. So that's the end of my conversation with Molly. But as I mentioned earlier, she and I had a lot to talk about. And unfortunately, a lot of things had to be cut out of this episode. So she and I will be recording a bonus episode for you guys coming up soon. So stay tuned. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I invite you to come follow me at the future is bilingual, all one word. If you don't do Instagram, you can always email me at tfibpodcast at gmail.com. And I want to take a second to thank people who filled out the listener survey. It is still open if you haven't done it. And I've gotten a lot of good answers, especially on topics you'd like to hear. And I think Molly answered a lot of those. People were asking about being an expat, keeping a minority language alive, balancing, maintaining different languages, having teenagers, 
different struggles when language learning. So this interview was really helpful, I think, for a lot of those topics. And I always am looking to hear more of what you'd like to know about. So please go fill out that survey. You can find it in my bio on Instagram. If you don't do Instagram, please just send me an email and I will send you the link. It is a survey on, on Gmail, so you don't have to be on social media to fill it out. I also have a survey that is if you'd like to be a guest. So again, you can email me or find that in my Instagram profile page. So thank you again for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed it or you're enjoying this podcast in general, the best thing you can do is to share it with a friend, share it on your social media, or leave me a rating and review. That would be really helpful. And I would appreciate it so much. Thank you. And I wish you guys the best. And we'll have an episode out for you guys soon. Take care.